0: Welcome to Leaving Erinsborough, the Neighbours Rewatch podcast from the very, 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 very beginning. Um, (laughs) I'm Sarah Gibbs. uh, I'm a comedy writer, author and uh, Neighbours obsessive. And uh, I'm here with
1: Rachel Krieger. I'm a stand-up comedian and writer and long-term Neighbours fan and watcher.
0: Fantastic. And Rachel, you have been somewhere very, very exciting. Would you like to show and tell?
1: Oh my goodness. So last night I went to the neighbours um well, end of neighbours, but now the beginning of neighbours in a beautiful circle of life way um tour and it was so fun. Um I'll tell you what it felt like, Sarah, and I was so sad you couldn't be there. Um, you know, obviously your health comes first, but um, it felt like what I imagine it must be like to be at one of those mega churches where everyone's really into <laughs> it because it was like it's just a room full of people who are as obsessed as we are with neighbours. Some, I, mean, I, I feel weird saying this, more, I think.
0: Definitely. De- de- we are not the most hardcore out there oh, no. by a long, long, long shot. The people I can, I, sitting behind yeah, I can name me... name some.
1: <laughs> well, I'm sure. The people <laughs> sitting behind me had been to every night of the tour. That's what I'm saying wow. to you. Because they were like okay. saying, oh, last night he didn't say that. Oh, that's interesting. They didn't ask that question on whichever day in wherever it was. Dublin. What cost
0: of living crisis? <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: you know what? We all have the things that we love and we save up for yeah. Some For some people it might be like a Givenchy something. And for some people it is obviously numerous expensive tickets. And also there were people who had been to multiple <laughs> meet and greets. And um, I thought that was just, I thought it was kind of quite fascinating because what do you say in the next one? Or do you start a conversation knowing, that you're going to get two minutes the next day with um dennis or whoever so you want to carry on so
0: as i was saying yeah remember me yesterday
1: so um <laughs> so yeah like i find that because i'm like a a show fan um but not in like all the external people kind of not external but the actors and the producers, whatever obsessive about all those sort of details i like the story because i'm a writer i guess and that's what attracts me mm-hmm. um so I just found that all fascinating, almost not more fascinating than what was going on, but it was surreal to (laughs) be in the same room with these people who I've obviously watched day in and day out for years and years and years, and to see what they were like, um, certainly in how they presented themselves there, which they are still actors, and this is still being on stage, um, to sort of compare that to how I perceive them from their characters. And it's kind of long known, I think, by everyone who loves Neighbours, or even watches it regularly because their partner loves neighbours, that um, Fletch is very similar to Carl. But the yeah. levels of similarity are immense. Yeah.
0: It's it's a lot, isn't it? It's a lot. <laughs> I, I, it's, in the nicest possible way, I think the nice aspects, the, the aspects of Carl that are lovable and that we love. Yeah, 100%. Just not, not, not telling the the um, people at the airport that his wife shat herself.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, and also even Not that like, Carl. we got in touch with him about, you know, hopefully at some point we'll have some kind of chat with him. And his response was, yes, that sounds nice. Get in touch via this email address. And don't forget to download my album. And, yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> the Pushing of his tour and everything, but it was sort of done in he's such great. a sweet way. Like, it's not it so sweet. There's other people you'd probably want to punch, but this wasn't a punching moment. Oh, I guess he gets punched enough in the show, um, but it wasn't really a punchy moment. Um, so- he's so
0: lovely. I've, 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 I've had an encounter with him before. He's so lo- like, he's just so, um, he's so. Uh, open to his fans I think that's yeah. really rare really old school kind of available to his fans I think in a way that mm. lots of other people aren't I, I managed to email him before I went to a panto once with my mum and grandma um, to ask him um, if we could uh, if we could get his autograph afterwards and he, I didn't receive an email back from him or something I can't remember but like on stage at the end he's like oh and if you're Sarah just wait at this place oh, afterwards sorry I didn't get back to you it's like it so lovely and we waited with my grandma grandma who's you know she's quite elderly and she was really getting she's getting grumpy because he was talking to some other people it's like when do you think we're going to be seen like oh, we we're at the actual no, doctor <laughs>
1: that's, i mean that's his vibe it was very funny yeah. it was just it was interesting to me as well to see the reactions from the audience for the different um actors as they came out which are nothing to do with them as people it's all to do with how everyone feels about their characters isn't it really yeah so um there was like when uh susan kennedy came out as um because she's so jackie is so closely identified with that i think no one even Mm. thinks of her i'm i can't even imagine her own family remembers that she got another name the (laughs) roar that went up from the room it was like powerful they must have heard it at the casino across across the road um it was just huge and she came over Ex, you know also quite a lot like a character but in that the source the sweetness not the maybe sometimes uh stuffiness or whatever that every so often she has but that it was it was the love in the room was huge and the other mm. person who got that response almost not quite the same level but almost was um Annie slash Jane and I was quite surprised by that Because I've always found Jane quite a difficult character to really love. I sort of love aspects of her. I sort of like her as a good character, well-written, if you see what I mean. And she's mentioned quite a few times that uh, the character is someone who carries her grandma, Mrs. Mangle, on her shoulder all the time, whispering in her ear. And I think she conveys that beautifully in the way her character moves through the show. Um, But um, So I was kind of surprised by how much... Everybody, everybody loves her in terms of her cats. I'm sure she's lovely human. She came over lovely, um, so I thought that was interesting. Stephen Dennis came out like um, he was Ebenaza or something like a panto villain um, <laughs> you know, with a whole kind of I don't know. It, it was just funny. He sort of came to the front of the stage and did a whole like ha, 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 I'm so evil um, <laughs> piece, and he did he did seem to have inherited some of maybe Paul's slightly um less favorable characteristics and then um I'm trying to move us there Ryan Maloney obviously I'm he's like probably my favorite character of all time if I think about it almost definitely I've just enjoyed the toady journey and um so and he was just so funny really really funny and natural like comedy bones um mm. not surprising and then april who was chloe who's actually i also love the character of chloe and oh, just, i
0: love chloe so much
1: to be in the room with them did feel very i don't feel very exciting to me they got asked all different questions i don't want to give like loads of spoilers about what happens in the talk because i don't know how i mean according to the people behind me um they do vary up a little bit but um I thought, first of all, it was funny because there was like a proper panto vibe. And I think that only comes from when the whole room knows all the, like, the undercurrents and the cliquey jokes and the whatever. Um, you know, it's exciting. It's Let's say if you and I were out somewhere together um, with other many other people who were just random people and they said something neighboursy and you and I would have, like, the same feeling at the same time and give each other a look. You wouldn't even need the words. Um, and it was like a room full of people, like, that everyone wow. carries along by the same <laughs> obsession. Um, but they sort of brought up, it was sort of in in stages, the show. So it had uh, different themes. They sort of talked about the key like key moments and how they impacted lots of different characters. So they had uh, the big disasters and then they had like different people's accidents. You know, it's quite an accident prone environment, <laughs> Ramsey Street. I imagine the insurance is fairly high. Um they had like uh one thing that made me laugh was um about uh, who's had the most weddings on the show, um Ooh. which was quite interesting. Uh the outcome, according to what they said last night, was it was Toadie versus Paul in terms of yeah. the most. Um Toadie's had um seven actual weddings, um, but two were to Steph and three were to Sonia. So does that really count? Is it really um seven or is it um, four. I'm trying to do the maths of that five, and then yeah, that is that four, because it's five of them were to the same people, and then two to other people. Are you with me? Oh, the math. Me
0: with maths bad.
1: Uh, uh, well, so I'm sure someone will correct me. And then, um, uh, Paul has had oh yeah, I wrote it down. Um, two to Steph, three to Sonia, one to D, one to Melanie. So he's had four, four wives, seven weddings, nine okay. f- for Paul. Paul's had nine weddings but only six wow. wives. I don't know if that's better. <laughs> like they're all <laughs> those are both terrible statistics. Um yeah. Carl, I guess, has had multiple weddings, but they've tended to be to the same person. So
0: I think they've all been they've no, one was to Izzy, but that they, they didn't get married.
1: Get married yeah. yeah. So it's like it's very Burton Taylor, um, the that storyline. And um then yeah, they they did a, a blue reel, which was really fun. Um, I've written so many pages of notes here, sorry. maybe I should have probably gone through this with a highlighter pen, but it was only last night, got home <laughs> very late. Um, so, uh, yeah, and it was sort of talking about their history and their interactions and learnings. I, I thought a lovely element was about how the younger actors or the ones who came on younger talked about what they learned from the older experienced actors like the Andes, and mm. as I'm going to pluralise them. And... I don't know if pluralizes worse. Uh, Anyway, and, you know, how they were all taught by um whoever, you know, um Helen and Mrs. Mangle, whatever, who were all just, like, consummate professionals. And, uh, yeah. like, Stefan Dennis said that when he first came on the show, they used to nickname him Tigger because he was always bouncing around. And he had to <laughs> learn from, like, Helen and Jim. They sort of taught him how to be still in the scene. And, Amazing. you know, that, I think that's sort of lovely when you hear about the community of the people... Who were involved? Um, I had a few things in particular I wanted to say to you because I thought they were interesting. Um, one was um that uh, they were talking about how we all go through our dramas, but for a lot of us, neighbours is like our safe space. And Susan yeah. and Carl particularly because most people in the audience, I think, I don't know how many people were watchers from the beginnings, like OG. But Susan Carl provided stability for such a long time. And even when they separated, the way it was sort of, as I say, Burton Taylor esque, um, you know, you sort of knew who they were and where they were and you knew how they'd react. And they did give everyone that sort of sense of stability. Um, oh, yeah, mum and dad. Mum and dad, absolutely. Mm. I'd forgotten how often Jane got electrocuted. She got electrocuted about nine <laughs> billion times. Um, uh... This is a very boring umming and ahhing while I flick through my notes. Um, oh, there there was some nice stories about thirty five years ago when they won. Um, uh, it must have been live at the Palladium or some similar show, and met the uh, the Queen Mother and uh, Princess Diana, who are apparently massive fans, and um, a brilliant story. Apparently, the BBC used to send them tapes directly if they'd missed it, um, and apparently. William and Harry and uh, the late Queen Elizabeth II also enjoyed Neighbours. So that's nice. Gives us all lovely credibility for what we do. (laughs) Um, There were a lot of, I like the cliquey jokes. There were a lot of cliquey jokes about John Wong. Um, uh, Stephen Dennis told a lovely story about when he was paying off Nicolette and what it felt like to actually write a cheque for a million dollars. Like obviously it was a real (laughs) check, but to sit there and and write a million dollars. But he also said, I thought that's quite interesting, was because they all became friends. And then there was a sort of recycling of relationships here and there. There's sometimes it was, he described as icky, like when Paul and Jane got together, um, it was sort of really icky because they'd known each other for so long. They'd been friends in real life. She played like his younger brothers, mate, like it all felt so weird. Yeah. uh, and then there were sort of lots of reminders of different things. Lib- Libby introduced a compilation of disasters and everyone agreed we would love her to come back. Um, they talked a lot about the really unrealistic storylines, which made me laugh because I feel like I'm always poking holes in the storyline in this podcast. And sometimes I feel a bit bad about it because I, I do love everybody and I do love the whole thing. But um, also we're doing a sort of critique as we go through. So it seems silly not to say what I feel. Um, mm. But I love things like cold talking Susan through a tracheotomy on Lou using a <laughs> butter knife and a straw um, or Susan treading water for three days before she's found You know this sort of, you know, all these um, the you know, it was gorgeous. They did a montage of all the people who've died, like not the characters, the actual actors. Mm. And that was quite, you know, obviously very emotional. Um and some of the stories, the backstories are sad. Which I remember reading. Um, this one about um how Vivian, who played Mrs. Mangle, um, she left the soap because she got so much abuse, like in the street, and k- apparently kids oh, really? used to go around to throw stones at her house. And you know she came back to the UK and just lived a sort of quiet life. And um, not I'm sure she was happy and whatever was her choices, but I just think. It's terrible when that happens. I've got a close friend who's a major character in one of the established British soaps. And um, I know that for them, they have no privacy generally and that people um, conflate them with their character all the time. And if they do something that everyone likes, people will come up as how much they like it. And if they do something people don't like, then they get a reaction. And that's, so I can imagine, this is obviously a much more extreme thing how if people are relentlessly abusive to you because of your character, you know, that is um, very, very sad and very tough. Very very and very silly. difficult. <laughs> to with. And also how stupid are people? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, there was another really? really nice thing I thought you'd like was that um, if you notice um, that Anne Haddie always calls everyone darling in the show, that's just her manner. But apparently that was her manner in real life. If she If she liked you, she called you darling. And from when she died... Stefan started getting his character Paul to call all the people he loves darling all the time um, in her honour, which I thought was super gorgeous. Um,
0: That's really
1: sweet. Yeah, really nice. Um, Ryan made this really nice comment, which I I wrote down almost word for word um, to share with you because I thought you'd like it. Um, He said, If we've done, and this is not verbatim, but I wrote down the best I could, if we've done our job properly, we've connected with you through a screen somewhere and you'll feel like someone gets me and I feel uh, responsible because we are representing your stories. And I thought that was really like tremendous thing to say. That's wonderful. Yeah, it was very special. So, it sounds
0: like a, a great evening, and and you met and you met some uh, some fans and uh, met... some fellow fellow neighbours, fans, some, some listeners of the podcast as well. I
1: did a big thank you and shout out to John Miller and Matthew Rimmer, who also lent us their Ramsey Street sign so We could do some pics with it, and um, we had oh, lovely. a lovely chat with them. So and thank you for listening and for all the nice things you said about the podcast. Um, I really Sweetheart. appreciated that. It had um. It had a lovely ending. The whole thing, like it felt honestly, it felt like the end of a family event. And um, and they were talking actually at the end about how when it was cancelled, and obviously now happily for everybody, it's uncancelled, although very stressful for us in terms of the fact this podcast is going to last till we're ninety. Um, <laughs> but when it was cancelled, how they took care of each other and checked in with each other, and how difficult it was as the ending was drawing near, because as soon as people had finished their job they left it wasn't like everyone left on the last day like the end of term it's sort of if you'd finished your storyline that was it you were gone if you were the writer who'd worked on a particular plot point once that plot point was done you were gone if you had a particular role dressing someone and you might have been dressing them for 20 years or whatever as soon as their last costume change was over you were gone so it was um a very very challenging thing and um also the fact that they had to film that stuff out of order because they were bringing back all those old favourites and they had to do it at other people's convenience. So, um, for example, all the Jane, Mike, Charlene, Scott reunion was all filmed out of order. And Annie was saying she didn't even know how it was how it was going to work. How where did it fit in? That she knew, uh, they knew that Jackie was doing this monologue. How would it work? And at the end, they did sort of Susan, really a version of Susan's speech. It was a bit like the end of the Breakfast Club, actually.
0: Um, <laughs>
1: And then they did a little parody, Thank You for Being a Friend and All About Neighbours. And there was, I I say Fletch did do a song as well, his own song about how he's in love with (laughs) Susan Kennedy. And it was so... It was. I think they managed to touch all the notes really of what people wanted in the room. I didn't hear anyone coming up going, "I wish I'd done this." Everyone was just really uplifted, and oh, it wonderful. was um, so warm. So a big. That's uh, Lea Baletto who uh, hosted it. She was did a fantastic job, and I think there's nothing like having a super fan do the hosting because Mm. she's asking our questions. I did try and get a question asked on behalf of um, the podcast. Um, I can tell you what it is. They didn't ask it, but um, just in case uh, anyone ever meets them and feels like they want to ask them a question, this is what I sent. Um, I said, I'm Rachel Krieger. I co-host the podcast Leaving Erinsborough with the brilliant Sarah Gibbs. Our listeners would love to know, I'm sure, if there have been any storylines any of you wish you'd played instead of the actors who got to play them. And also, if there was a character, because this is obviously what we ask every every time we record, if there's a character you could have killed off at any point in the show, who would it have (laughs) been and why? And I thought they would have been really fun questions to answer, but now we'll have to wait till any of them come on the show and we can ask them directly.
0: I yes we, we will we will have our day and a shout out as well to joe julians who oh, put the whole tour together he's a to super Dave. fan um this has been a massive project for him i know it's like taken over his whole life and probably the dream gig in many ways <laughs> but like exhausting and and um time-consuming and like i know that the whole fan community is very very grateful and uh even though i couldn't be there i'm very happy it happened and um that everyone got to be brought together like that so like wh- a round of
1: applause for joe, Yay, um, obviously, joe. Like, uh, exactly it's less impressive when it's just me clapping yeah. away from the <laughs> microphone so not to be too disruptive but <laughs> the emotion is still there yeah joe and thank you for being so in touch with us we really appreciate you.
0: yes we really do
1: um, I did enjoy at the end um, where um, everyone ignored the no photography signs and everyone had their cameras out. Everyone was filming, um, Also, everyone singing Neighbours theme song together. That was really quite spectacular. Um, I was sort of panicking, would you think I can sneak a photo? Do you think I can't? And then I saw it around me, all you could see was cameras
0: like what um people say about um when they go to see paul mccartney and they're like oh he's doing hey jude and by the end of it it's like a spiritual experience yeah. cause, you know that everyone's singing along with the nananas na's and like you don't um you don't necessarily think that you're gonna get swept up on it until you're there but yeah. he, he makes it a, a whole thing of, co- of course you're gonna get swept up it's paul mccartney singing hey jude and it's yes um all right, so um we have um we have explored the present day. I think it's now time to go back in time. <laughs> yes. Back to back to yesteryear, back to nineteen eighty six now. Um to um where we left off a, a little while ago now because I haven't been very well. Um gonna put a trigger warning on this one um I usually put a trigger warning on but this 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 comes up with a very big trigger warning. there is a plot um in this that um is going to discuss sexual assault and um we're gonna unpick it in quite a lot of detail and um if if that's tough you know for you for any reason, just please be aware and listen with caution um sweary as always because i'm I'm always angry I'm an angry person um so. Ah, oh, right. I haven't, um, I'm not going to go through it in the same microcosmic detail that I usually do. Um, mainly because not, just a lot of the stuff this month was like characters having the same conversation over and over and over and the plot moving in tiny increments really like um, if it moved at all Um, things were quite circular Um, you know I don't need to hear Paul asking Zoe out 50 times and you know Des and Daphne having the same conversation about how they're going to be civil with each other it's whatever anyway anyway we start at the aftermath of the not wedding. Um, Daphne is obviously upset because yeah. she's just been dumped at the altar. Um, I everyone enjoyed is
1: particularly ter- Eileen's comments that um, she felt Daphne was the best of all the women Des had nearly married. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah uh, Eileen's Eileen's got some gold gold uh, this this month, but uh, this fortnight. Uh, but yeah, every everyone is different different flavors of terrible with her yeah. um so you know she points out rightly that something had obviously gone wrong when the whole wedding party didn't show up and paul is uh very helpfully is like oh we just assumed they were all trying to talk you into it <laughs> <laughs> what an arsehole. um so he really rubs salt in the wound and um and daphne tells him off yeah. um and he's like well I, I, I just, why is everyone mad at me i'm like I, I, I don't know. Um, it's, it's a lot he, of people he, he behaving in
1: a very stupid way. And it's it's like many things in many soaps, not just this one and not just this time period, where everything would just be resolved by two people having a normal conversation like normal people. You know, yes. that that's all anything would take. But then where would we be? Like if, if anyone did that, where would we be? And that's also true often in my own life.
0: Yeah. It, yeah, it is true to life. You know, communication... Um, if we all had that down i think the world would be a much better place but we don't um so that this gorilla thing gets stupider and stupider um mm-hmm. apparently the gorillas were
1: bank robbers yeah. they robbed a bank dressed as gorillas um does that so, not happen uh, every week in your day ta- you know <laughs> i think the problem is is that we don't have a local branch of pacific bank like if we did we'd be used to these sort of shenanigans
0: yeah we don't have a, a local gorilla gang gorilla. i think do you think they heard of a Go, go, guerr- like gorillas and thought yeah and um, just got confused you so jumped in quite
1: quickly I was going to make a gorilla warfare yeah. comment but yeah I mean I think everyone listening should just make their own it's easy
0: make your own yeah chuck it chuck it in um for first base we yeah. we're, we're very lazy comedians um so yeah stupider and stupider um Shane tells max that Danny is a professional gorilla yeah. That's what every father wants to hear um I feel like only... that's how
1: my parents reacted when I said I was a prof- going to be a professional stand up comic. <laughs> I mean, you know, it could, I could have said literally anything yeah, I'm going to be a professional lamppost, la, 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 la. So I, <laughs> I did kind of relate to that a little bit.
0: So, like the Simpsons episode with Krusty's dad. Yeah. I have no gorilla. <laughs> Meanwhile, Eileen, uh, Eileen is crying to Helen over the the four ugly wedding dresses, yeah. and she and she says uh, I mean you know I would cry if I had to look at those wedding dresses too. Oh, she said each one represents a woman that has stood up. Des, yeah. um, pre- presumably because they they all had terrible taste. I don't know. I, I, again. Why, why are there four? Who are these four horsewomen of the Apocalypse? What is going on here?
1: <laughs> Please make that the title of this episode. I really <laughs> like it. Um, my favourite Eileen element of this crop is the way she says the word unit about her flat. Um, <laughs> because she says it at every possible opportunity. And I can imagine, because she's de- she's definitely an actor with a twinkle in her eye that she sort of loved that, that's that's my vibe with her, um, you know, well, I'll take it to my unit, she never once calls it home, or you know, okay. apartment, or whatever, it's always the unit, it just makes me laugh so much. I think
0: because in her head it's temporary, like she's, she's always angling to move back in with Dez, yeah. in her head that, that's where she ends up, that's the inevitability, so the unit is just a unit um, to pass time, it's not home. Um, like Dez's home uh, it becomes quite clear she's constantly trying to wedge herself in Um, so Shane gets sacked for using his limo for Daphne's wedding without asking and then getting it stolen which I think is fair
1: enough yeah I think um, if it had just been stolen in the line of duty it would have been very unfair but given that he essentially stole it first because he wasn't using it for work um, yeah, that's what happens you know if I brought a microphone home with me or something, I don't know, it won't happen,
0: but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. If I stole uh I don't go anywhere. Um anyway, um but yeah, Des Des meanwhile is the saddest sack that ever sacked. Mm. He's uh moping around, feeling sorry for himself, just just wandering outdoors, the sad music and the little bindle. He doesn't have a bindle, but he should. Mm. Um he phones home and Eileen tells him it was all a misunderstanding and he just like hangs up. <laughs> well, he was. Yeah. Zoe suggests that Daphne moves in with her and Clive. Now I want I wanna just I wanna just flag this here, put a little pin in this. Yeah. Zoe says there's plenty of room and tells her, tells her to move in with her and Clive, which makes what happens later even shittier. So that's let's, let's just let's remember this. Yeah. Um so Danny gets arrested for being a gorilla. Um, apparently at the time clive was with him um who was uh, dressed as a chook now i was under the understanding that the hierarchy of the uh of the animal gram kingdom was <laughs> chuk gorilla so does that mean danny is now clive's boss
1: oh that, what, what a fascinating hot take on a complex <laughs> situation um I, I don't know that I'd ever really explored the hierarchy, but yeah, maybe. I don't know. Unless Maybe he graduates to a lion and then he's the king of
0: the jungle. <laughs> maybe. I mean, because Danny started as a chook and then, I can't say chook. Because that was so stupid coming out, of my, coming out of my face. Um, he started as a chicken. That's that's all right. I could say that in my, my plummy English accent. Um, and um, And then Clive said, you know, if he keeps up the good work, maybe one day he'll even make gorilla. Wow. So,
1: so he has been gorilla. Yeah,
0: he has, and but that makes Clive the chook. So has Clive demoted himself, I don't no, even I know. No, I think then
1: they're both gorillas. This is a lot of depth to go into something that's really quite bizarre. Um I don't know, maybe um the chickens are more cheerful. Um because oh my god, this is such a leap and stretch, I'm really sorry. Uh because um Helen says to Tez, have some egg, it might cheer you up. So maybe
0: <laughs> That is a stretch, Helen's Yeah. Good. But it yeah. Um anyway just just a thought um Shane, Shane comforts Daphne by going on and on about his lost job and then hitting he on her
1: yes <laughs> it was moments I mean she was practically still wearing the veil and yeah. um he was sort of suggesting and she she was like oh can we just be friends and I was thinking that's quite generous I think to yeah. even offer to be friends um and also he's still supposed to be friends with Des
0: yeah what a crappy friend to everyone Shane is yeah um Zoe also mentions to Paul how much she wants Daphne, Daphne's life. That's another thing to to bear in mind for later. Yeah. Um, Paul Paul is like, oh, I can give you all of that, and I, I can't love you. I'm not capable of love. No. Um, but uh, we'll all I with can that, give I you think. stuff. Yeah, I can give you money um, and things. And she's like, no, I, I want more. Um, but then, uh, but then, yeah, later, later, clearly changes her mind about that. Um, Helen and Jim have the shittiest scene ever where they have a really good laugh at Eileen chasing Dez down the aisle Mm -hmm. which they're so evil I mean like I think maybe you had to be there like if we'd seen Eileen do that and it was funny we could agree with them but just because we didn't see it it just sounds evil
1: yeah (laughs)
0: sounds really mean
1: yeah I mean Uh, sometimes they are
0: yeah um i wonder where paul gets it um but even even helen and jim who are evil think that paul is being a dick so we know he's really being a dick yeah um He's He's just so
1: affected by um, when Terry got a little mention last night and a bit of a boo. But to me, the two worst things about Terry weren't that she shot Paul or that she had a whole secret life with gangsters. It was her voice and that hat with the weird strands coming (laughs) off it because I think they are unforgivable. I would take being shot over wearing that hat any day of the week.
0: Yeah. um, it's It's truly a crime against fashion and humanity. Um, Everyone, uh, everyone gathers around Daphne yeah. to eat the wedding food. And Paul, what is Paul's problem? It's not like I, I, it's it's such a radical change, a radical overnight change. It's, it's honestly like like um, she shot his heart right out of him. Yeah. He's he's just he's being he's being so deliberately callous. He's like, oh, and here's here's to the blushing bride. Fuck you, Daphne. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> what what is his problem? um Nikki is there again i guess yeah
1: mysterious but... Nikki um because it's like she she didn't exist and then she's now just front and center all the time popping in and out being annoying um at the moment the people i'm really struggling with are Nikki and Zoe as mm. um people to spend any quality time with when i want to say quality time i mean obviously staring at my computer watching them um yeah Nikki the omnipresent Nikki yep. She's just quite nasty. I mean, she and Paul maybe have uh, temperaments in common.
0: She's like the Poochie of the show. Like mm. <laughs> you know, you know when they the, when Poochie just shows up out of nowhere, um, or like um, you know the Simpsons where they have that guy Ray be the the Poochie yeah. of the, their real life, and it's like like he's always been there. Like oh, it's just Ray. He lives here now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that's basically Nikki. Um, that's I, don't, I don't. I know. Yeah. Um, Meanwhile, Dez stands by a bridge looking sad and a homeless man comes up to him and asks if he can have his clothes before he kills himself. Yeah. This- and then we don't see or hear from Dez again for several days. Ho, ho, ho. Isn't suicide hilarious?
1: I mean, there is, in this crop of episodes, there are a number of, uh, one of my favourite aspects that we chat about, a number of... Endings within a, with the inappropriate theme music coming yeah. into the and this is one of them. Depth of <laughs> despair, yeah. but There is a worse one. I, I'm not going to um, spoil it because uh, we'll come to it in a bit. There's a terrible there is, one. Uh, yeah. Honestly, so far, I think the absolute worst of them all. Um, so yeah, it's impressively bad.
0: Yeah, I I I I agree. Um... Des, uh, yeah, so so we don't we don't hear it. Des is uh, Des is dead as far as we're concerned for a few days. It's dead to um, me. <laughs> Danny, uh, Danny, wants to go back to work at the bank. Hmm. He has just been accused of robbing a bank. Are you allowed to go to work at the bank when you've just been accused of robbing a bank? Is th- that a thing? I
1: think once we all know that wasn't you, it's all a big misunderstanding. They probably welcome you back with open arms. There's nothing they like more, I think, than um, yeah. you know, ex accused bank robbers aiming to become management immediately. At that
0: point, he was still an accused bank robber.
1: Oh, that's true. I hadn't really registered that.
0: I don't know. I don't know why he thought he was going back to work.
1: I mean, there are many aspects of um, the local branch of Pacific Bank that are quite bewildering. But he has to go back, doesn't he, to make money for Horrible Marcy um, and her trip to Surfers. I wanted to say Mm -hmm. Surfers Paradise because that's what she makes sound like.
0: Surfies, surfers, surfers. I forget. Um, Marcy, Marcia. That that's interchangeable too. Mm. Um. Oh God, this plot I can't even. Scott phones. He's coming home from the school tour early. Something is wrong. Da-da-da. What is it? A mystery. The Robinsons go to get him from the bus, but they can't see him anywhere. Now, I thought, I, like, before everything unfolded, I was like, ha it's because it's Jason Donovan and they don't recognise him. Oh, like, that what would great have been such a good meta... twist. Yeah. <laughs> right i was like this is this is so this is a really funny little self-aware wink right. um i'm really enjoying this we don't know we can't find scott storyline um it comes back later when they they also can't describe him um yeah but um but yeah we'll, we'll come back to that but just it it, it gets bad um, and i think looking so I... <laughs> I mean they
1: do set it up quite cleverly in terms of yeah. um when a kid says they're coming home only from their school trip and then they don't show up there are any number of reasons you might think that's happened. They missed the bus. Um, you know, they they don't have really mobile phones or anything to call anyone. They've met they've somebody, they've gone off yeah, they've got a new head and, and voice. Um, you know, or they've met someone and gone off with them, like all these different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're all a bit like, lol, lol. This is a thing that happens when you have teenagers who've just been away for a couple of weeks with their mates and then have got a bit fed up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> so Clive comes to see Madge um, and we find out that it's her son who's in jail who mm. Clive met while he was there and Madge tells him the whole story. Clive is on the outs with the family for being a gorilla um, who may or may not be a bank robber but then Madge very quickly forgives him. Yeah. The PI has found Douglas. And uh, from, <laughs> and the, he...
1: from the terrible Thunderbirds drawing. Which is and miracle. he says he
0: says it's terrible as well. He really throws shade on her, on her little caricature. He's like, it's yeah. like, despite the quality of the of the picture you gave me, I managed to find him. It's like, oh, burn!
1: Yes, I can't argue. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. So Helen and Madge team up. Um. They go and they drive. Uh. They find Douglas and Helen tells her the whole story and they hatch a plot. And uh, now this is the A plus content I'm here for, even though. It's incredibly confusing, hmm. um, and I don't really understand what happened. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that later, but but I do enjoy I enjoy the vibes, um, and I enjoy Helen and Madge as a double act, and I really enjoy Spy
1: Madge. Yeah, I um, like the Thelma and Louise <laughs> energy yeah. of Helen and Madge in this storyline, um, and and also because I do like revenge as <laughs> a thing. Yeah. I'm quite fond of um, I like resolution. Even sort of in my more music-y days, um, I liked it when I saw... In fact, the other day, I was um, at a synagogue service. I don't want to be completely on brand all the time, but, you know, that is my vibe. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, it was for my nephew's bar mitzvah, and there was a sort of choir performing. And it so happened that also in the congregation uh, was my old friend, also named Rachel, who was in the same girl band as me when we were younger. And... um, the, this choir did a bit of one of the prayers and it came to a beautiful, harmonious resolution and we both looked at each other and sort of gave satisfied nods because oh. it's nice when it happens with music and it's nice when it happens with stories. So I'm all for the Helen and Madge, like I'm here for them and their whole let's let's get revenge on Thunderbird, Douglas um, together. Yeah. Girl power.
0: Absolutely. Some proper First Wives Club shit going down. I love it. Completely. Um, So... Uh, what else? Clive's business gets shut down because the police confiscated his costumes, and apparently, gorilla costumes are prohibitively expensive. Yeah, um, it's amazing. It's the he value is going up.
1: Different, yeah. He could have like um, had rabbit costumes. Like, could have, yeah. Don't want anything. you to give up just because you can't do gorillas anymore. That shows very minimal business acumen. Could rent them. Yeah, I could Even join
0: them. Until you until you get get some cash flow going. You could make them. I've been Come watching Next
1: in Fashion. Um <laughs> which is a really weird choice for me, but I did enjoy it. You can make them. I could feel like I can yeah. make anything now. I can make a Met Gala ball dress now. I mean, I've never have made anything like that in my life, but I could now if I'm watching TV.
0: Oh yeah, it's great how it deludes you into into thinking that you you've got all this. Anyone um, can. <laughs> yeah yeah um, like me the sewing machine like sewing my own sleeve to things yeah. half an hour later i can
1: Shit. put a button on i can i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure i can make a gorilla costume for clive he only has to ask
0: there's a subplot with nikki pretending to be um pretending to be posh because she goes to a posh boarding school. Right. I don't care And I don't care enough to talk about Nikki anymore. I just want to say that why is her snooty friend British? Why is everyone annoying on this show? It's like every time they want someone to be insufferable, they're like, give them a posh British accent, like a really fake posh British accent.
1: Yeah, I mean, but that's international, isn't it? It's in all the scary, yeah. all the films, you know, the Brits are there for only one purpose, which is to be to annoying be and scary yeah. and evil. Um And I feel like Nikki has got quite an evil um, Chucky energy. Um, yeah. And yeah, she's, and there was a bit, I don't remember if it's in this episode, but it's so like not relevant to storylines, particularly that doesn't really matter where um, she talks about how her friend William's dad has some amazing metalworks company or something and suggest to max that perhaps he make his family make the pipes that he fits as a plumber (laughs) and i did find that actually a hilarious hilarious moment in a conversation because she's just so unlikable but that was like kind of peak level
0: she has she has a couple of good lines later like she she makes a couple of good points later which i'll get to but um but otherwise she's a waste of space Mm. um paul again i don't care to go into detail about this very boring subplot between Paul and Zoe. Um, they've got a pretty woman thing going on. Yeah. He wants her to come to business stuff with him. She wants to buy pretty dresses and go to business stuff with him. It's a win-win. They deserve each other. I, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like I, I I don't care to talk about it any more than that. They're two, um, they're
1: two fractions that cancel each other out yeah, in this uh, basically series.
0: Um, also, all you need to know about Zoe and Mike really is that Mike is still being beaten up by his dad zoe is cottoning on to that and she is trying to get him to open up and eventually he does tell her about it and tells her and he also sleeps in the coffee shop um and he tells her that he's staying to protect his mom so that's like really like honestly a whole month of back and forth about this and that like two weeks or whatever and that's um I can summarise it in one sentence. Which is a shame, um, really,
1: because actually it's quite important for such an yeah. issue-focused um, soap. It's amazing that they don't delve into that a little bit more, I felt. But also, yeah. if I was going to confide in anybody in that street... Not Zoe. Zoe, I mean, seriously, I'd go to Eileen first. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She's uh, she's not great. Um, Jim comes into the Robinsons... Uh, and announces what Scott's big mystery is.
1: In a very Ooh. casual way.
0: Tr- trigger warning here. We're going to be... Uh, yeah. So he announces that Scott's been accused of rape.
1: Hmm. Now, never has been yeah. the word rape been thrown about so casually in anything yes. as it is oh through my this storyline. Um, it's the most bizarre bizarre thing and um and there are also some and this is really to me the trigger warning beyond the this subject is the way that it's discussed with Jim. Yeah, um, jim's you know like uh, i can't remember if this was jim or helen but it was something along the lines of at least they didn't call the police you know thankfully the whole thing has been hushed up that's yeah that's I've, got it. Not, I've got it all here yeah that's not thankfully or at no. least that those aren't good things and no. the determination, they have now I understand if it's your family member, um, and we're talking about this in the context of fiction. Um, I'm not going to even attempt to comment on how people may or may not feel in their real lives, but we're talking about this as two writers looking at a fictional plot here um, and how it's delivered. Um, um, the this is such a weird vibe. I understand them as characters wanting to protect their child um, and grandchild who they assume is innocent. And we make a lot of assumptions about people we love in life and in TV and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, but there's not a scrap of concern for the the girl. The girl. There's not no. a kind of, at no point did they say, well, there's even if it's a terrible misunderstanding, there's clearly an upset young woman in this scenario because and I say young woman even though we don't know that at the beginning that it's a woman but this is a very heteronormative stage of neighbours which obviously goes through a big transformation in that regard in later years but at this point in time um yeah so no concern about her the main worries the main aspect is want to get him back want to make sure nobody finds out about it and it's so bad it's 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 dreadful bad it's the
0: frat boy manual um this was i have to assume this was written by a man or a woman who hates herself um and other women um but yeah really awful so first of all this is how the exchange goes so again trigger warning jim i assume they wanted to be sure of their facts the headmaster was wanting to talk to the boys when they got back and when scott disappeared they just assumed he'd come home Helen, judging by his phone call, that's obviously what he intended to do, but he didn't make the bus. I think he must have had an accident. Jim, not necessarily. He might just be taking some time to think. We know he wouldn't do a thing like that. Do we, Jim? Do we know None that? None of us, no. Do we... No. Uh, maybe he's tr- trying to prove it to other people by running away. Yeah, that's... Uh... Uh, Helen, I just wish he'd come home so we could help him. Poor darling. Mm. He must be terrified.
1: It's, yeah. It's horrific. Helen then
0: sighs heavily, presumably because she just had to say that line, yeah. and adds, at least they didn't call the police. Jim, no, the whole thing was hushed up. Still, if he doesn't turn up shortly, we're going to have to ask him to give us a hand to find him, in which case the whole story will come out.
1: I, I imagine the police will be quite productively helpful at finding him, given the story.
0: Yeah. Okay, so... you you reported your son for rape is that what you're saying no they're um, reporting
1: him as a missing person they're not
0: unbelievable
1: it's it's just so it's <laughs> such a odd choice to me like it's um i'm all for tackling big issues even in maybe like a small kind of setting but mm-hmm. um it, it's also so out of character for helen to not care about the girl um even yeah. if she cares about scott even if they approach it as you know, I wonder what could have brought him to take such, to do something so terrible. Do you know what I mean? But to disregard the the alleged offence yeah. and the alleged victim is also incredibly out of character.
0: Also, well, you know, to say, did we teach him about consent properly? Does Does he understand? that no means no like you know did we teach him this stuff yeah like why are they not asking themselves any questions and also what are the writers and the show thinking at this point like genuinely baffled because they're introducing like they've had a scott that we're used to Mm. and they're introducing a new scott new head new everything and they think the way to endear him to the audience is to accuse him of
1: rape Mm. now i'm in real life 14 at this point when i was watching this um, uh, and I was sort of trying to think. Not a great message. Yeah, you know, I was sort of trying to think back what I could remember about it, and all I could remember was I sort of did. I don't think I knew. I wasn't very worldly, per, you know, young person at that point. But I did feel. I did find it quite chilling, really. Just yes. their reaction. I found it that. That's what I remembered about it was I found their reaction quite chilling. And I remember thinking, we're supposed to love Scott because we've got to know him. We don't know this other person, so our sympathy doesn't need to be with them. But no. um, if my... I You know, I was thinking how... I couldn't remember exactly what I thought, obviously. This is quite some time ago. Um, but, like, the two sets of parents, like, somewhere... Because it comes out that the, the dad had turned up and whatever. Um, her dad had turned up, and the, that's how this had all escalated. That... Um, the, just those reactions of the two parents made me very anxious
0: yeah well we'll we'll come back to this later have a little break from this for now yeah. <sighs> um paul is um Paul is the only one who c- could not give a shit about Scott and for once I'm with him yeah it's like never it's okay, mind so
1: not give a sh- you know not give a shit yeah. about the rapist brother
0: <laughs> exactly alleged- um <laughs> Although we know that Paul is a statutory rapist, so I guess it just runs in the family. Great job, Jim. Excellent child-rearing. Where is Lucy, by the way?
1: Um, Great question. Not in this, just mentioned in passing.
0: I guess they just didn't know what to do with her, maybe, in these scenes with this intense...
1: Yeah, true. You know. Or like now, when they have, uh, you know, children and young people working on shows, they have all kinds of professionals who come and help them if the storyline is going to be quite complex. Yeah. But in those days, those kind of roles didn't exist.
0: Mm, probably not.
1: You know who does it now, Neighbours? So interesting. The intimacy coordinator who goes through things like that.
0: Oh, Sonia. Sonia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Eve was, Maury. I thought
1: that was a very good fact.
0: It's lovely. Yeah. Um, she's wonderful. <laughs> um, so Daphne comes around to see Helen and confides in her about her feelings about Des. Mm. She has a big cry. Um, Daphne says she never wants to see Des again. Mm. Uh, enter Des, of course. Um, Helen, of course. Da 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 da. Yeah. Uh, Daphne runs out the back to avoid him, and Helen gives Des a really delicious telling off, where he's like, "Have you seen Daphne?" So like, well, I'm not telling you where Daphne is. You. Sad sack dickhead, yeah. Um, word for word, he's very pathetic in this whole block of episode. He is just pathetic, he doesn't even attempt to like explain himself or fix anything or remedy (laughs) anything. Like, he's just he just stands there with a hangdog expression, taking it. Um, controversial
1: opinion Daphne Mm -hmm. had a great escape,
0: yeah. I I mean, I didn't think so before, but I think so now, yeah. Absolutely. Um, just like you know it's really shown his character up hasn't it it's really shown him up to to be quite spineless um nothing nothing worse really there are lots of worse things than the spineless person but it's really it's not attractive is it watching somebody just like stand there with their head hung instead of saying hey look I have a lot of trauma when you didn't show up it was triggered I'm so sorry how can I ever make it right with you just like she's like oh there's no point talking about it he's like
1: okay come on Des." Yeah, say anything. I mean, I hate the expression man up, but if ever there was an appropriate time to use it, I feel it's now
0: person up person just like up, just adult up be like be a grown-up don't kind don't of face sh- it face your shit
1: schlump along and turn up i can't think of a good yeah. translation for schlump but i feel everyone understands what i mean um sort of drag yourself along and whatever i mean do something romantic look at all the people do being inappropriately romantic in the show but at least just, you know make a statement. Put a banner up. Think of all the times we've gone past roundabouts and, you know, as we're driving somewhere and there's been an old bed sheet with, I love you, Mary, you know, come to the school disco. Do something. Happy birthday, Bill. Do... (laughs) <laughs> take action if you want her back do, do you understand what I'm saying do like <laughs> yeah. graffiti the sides of the Pacific bank, I mean do uh, do um, a graffiti of her portrait, we, they did it for Sonia they start it now with Daphne but he doesn't do yeah. any grand gestures he just sort of mopes about it Was like meh, meh, meh. so. Meh. I was like all... Haya Clive as oh. a
0: gorilla gram
1: that, <coughs> that's yes. some good I well, yeah. can't do gorillas now, I'll have to be a chook. yep
0: yeah. Yeah, but you know, uh, like make make a joke out of it. We can laugh about this one day. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. Um, actually, that would that would piss me off more. Um, his tap is broken, which brings him into contact with Shane, who tells him off, and Ma- and Max, who tells him off. Des man, like I don't think you're in a position to be accusing people of ruining your wedding. He's like, oh, I think you know, I think you might have done this on purpose. And Max is like. Um absolutely fuck you and I'm I'm fixing your tap, you win great, Yeah. Um
1: just yeah.
0: ludicrous. I believe that man.
1: when uh, he's he's reluctant to fix the tap, obviously from a loyalty perspective. Loyalty to Daphne, who he didn't like, as you mentioned last time until about ten seconds ago. Um uh Madge feels you know you should take work, work is work. And she describes mm-hmm. and she says something beautiful, um, uh, you know, work is work, whether someone is black, white or brindle. What? I didn't know Brindle was a category of person. I think it might be a type of cat or dog. um. But I thought that was a very uh, interesting line, you know.
0: It's kind of like something racist saying. It's... Like, I don't care if you're black or blue or green. Yes, yeah, like, exactly.
1: If... As soon as you start labelling everyone's colours, we know you do care a yeah. tiny bit. Um. But, yeah, I don't know. if you Listen, If I don't want to diss anyone's identity. If you're Brindle, hit us up. Let us know. But uh, I should really Google it. Sounds it sounds
0: like food.
1: I feel like it is a description of an animal. I'm going to actually, bear with me, because i Sounds I'm like a
0: Jewish food.
1: Brindle, yes. Yeah, so it's, Passover's coming up. I've what overcooked you the brindle. Brindle. Brindle mm-hmm. colour. Here Good we go. Kosher brindle. Brindle, um, oh, it's a pigment predominantly on dogs. What colour right. is brindle? Black stripes and a red base. Um, okay. There you go. What is brindle colour in Dogs. Red, fawn, brown, silver, black. Unlike distinct stripes, such as the ones you might see on a zebra, brindle stripes. So that so her point is whether you're black, white, or stripy.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, we. I have no.
0: Not great, Madge. No,
1: <laughs> but, I mean. <laughs> Well, I think we can allow her one horrible moment of racism for Vant. Yeah,
0: sure. Why not? Let's 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 give her a pass and move on, (laughs) Um, or or not? Not not really, not really my place to give her a pass on that. But um, yeah, this is it's 1986, I guess. I don't know. Maybe the brindle Um,
1: community hadn't yet risen up and uh, (laughs) reclaimed reclaimed the label brindle.
0: Brindle liberation. Great word. Um, M- Madge yeah. Madge confides in Helen that her marriage is over. Um, she says something really funny that I wish I'd written down about the woman, but uh, the the tw- the woman twenty years younger. Yeah, she says something really weird, and I can't remember what it was. I'm really annoyed with myself. I'll try and look it up yeah. and uh, tweet it at some point. Um, they concoct their Douglas heist plan. Yeah. Um, and uh, oh, Clive and Shane start a gardening business together. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna zoom through this story because it's also very boring they then compete over a female client that they want to yes that they would like to uh, do things with presumably Um, she likes Shane she goes out on a date with Shane. Then Clive gets mad about it. So she fires both of them so she can continue to date Shane. But then Shane dumps her because she fired them. Mm. And then she comes over and Max thinks she's hot. So I think we might be having the first incestuous neighbours love triangle. Um, no, the first one is definitely uh, Maria. D- Danny and, and Richard. <laughs> Richard and <Danny>. um, <laughs>
1: but, yeah, The second,
0: <laughs> uh, the first official incestuous love triangle. Um, I'm sorry, and, listeners. Uh, yeah anyway whatever shane is going to go back and date her i don't care
1: um she's like such that, a yeah. bored housewife stereotype
0: yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's stupid and i don't i, I don't i don't want to waste too much time on it imagine max little detail that that they have a little bonding moment moment when she suspends repayments on his house loan yeah. um he calls her a little ripper Which um, does not seem like a term anyone has ever used on Madge before, but it's nice to see them getting along.
1: We also have a moment around now where we see Max sorting washing, which um, I thought was really funny that he was just sitting on the floor sorting washing by chucking it in piles around the room. And it was done with so much emphasis that that's what he was doing. um, That reminds me of like the one time my dad did the hoovering and we all took photos of it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, oh, because dear. you know like um it's fine my dad doesn't mind helping as long as it's properly acknowledged <laughs> and recorded for posterity and we can all mention it it's a lot more helpful now but back in the day um yeah so i, I came across that quite Big recently trophy in the yeah
0: cabinet for the time he did the hoovering
1: yeah I, I mean i did the hoovering in 1996 i don't know why you keep nagging me um <laughs> but yeah oh, dear. max did sort the washing so proper acknowledgement to you max
0: Yes, well done, Max, um, for doing the bare minimum. Mm. Um, so, yeah, um, Daphne and Des have the talk where he's pathetic and she's like, there's no point in discussing this. And he's like, I guess, I guess not. So, wow, really, really, Des? Mm. Um, Paul consoles Des by going on about how he's free from the horrible ball and chain that is Daphne. Which, Paul is a piece of shit. Really what, what's Daphne ever done to Paul? She's only
1: They're ever been to be friends. friends, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um. Everyone is still looking for Scott. So Jim manages to track down his scuzzy mates via Mike. And this story does not add up. Okay. No. This does not add up. The, the, these, these boys are apparently named Colin and Brian. So Colin says, and again, trigger warning here, because cool. this is incredibly oh, Before you even say
1: that, and I agree with you, um, in terms of your trigger warning, that this is like Mike says... Um, he's Mike tells Jim um that he's heard some of Scott's mates talking about what happens, and Jim says um, uh, where have I found my thing? Um, you know, I like send them. You can send them around to talk to me. It's all going to be. Fun. It was such a. It's it's so so weird. Um, I'm just trying to it's find a boys' club, isn't it? Like, yeah, like um, I won't repeat anything you say. I promise. It's like don't worry. Wow. They've got the police involved by now, I think, as well, haven't they? Uh not yet,
0: not yet. I don't think. Okay. I don't maybe not? I don't think so. Just...
1: I, I think a little later. <laughs> um So Oh here we go. Mike's oh. gonna get the kids to tell Jim in strictest confidence. And Jim says, I won't tell them, I won't repeat anything you say, I promise. That's like the worst advice ever. So if these friends come and say to Jim, Yeah, actually what happened is this Hideous crime. Jim's going to go. Well, thanks for letting me know. Don't worry, your secret's safe with me.
0: Yeah, it's like in the in the office. Um, don't know if you watched the Office, I the do. American oh, Office. Oh, where, not American uh, one. Well, yeah, it's a, There's a moment where the the boss Michael um promises everyone immunity if they say stuff they've done wrong, and then someone says something really serious, and he absolutely cannot give them immunity. It's like you know, it's a really yeah, it's a very stupid thing to promise anyone. Um, I had that once
1: actually in real life I was doing a workshop in a school and um, where I got the teachers it was like a kind of team building thing and I asked the teachers to kind of come up with a story and then we sort of worked out how they could do it It as almost like a piece of stand up but something that was one of their real experiences as a teacher and um, and because, like, the head teacher was coming around, whatever, she'd arranged this whole event. I said, don't worry, whatever you say, it's like, we'll keep it confidential in the room. It's just a laugh or whatever. And the teachers all had these sort of funny little stories about interactions with the kids. And one teacher told a story um, about how she dangled a child out of the window. And it happened quite some time before. Like, in. <laughs> and then I thought, I don't know what to do with that story now like I'm not a therapist <laughs> so I don't have legal confidentiality but I did say it was confidential um but also I was expecting more on the lines of oh I didn't read the homework I just put the grades I thought they might deserve like sure. I wasn't expecting dangle out of window
0: when are you the full Michael Jackson no
1: they didn't even give them the the benefit of a blanket oh anyway sorry wow. I've interrupted you because it's such a horrible <laughs> story I think I'm trying to avoid dealing with it continue yeah.
0: It is a horrible story.
1: Oh God,
0: my eyes are like stinging. They just don't want to read this. <laughs> mm. um, Colin, Scott fancied this chick, right? So they went outside. We sort of went outside after them. Brian, only for a bit of fun, just to rag them a bit. Colin, she took it seriously. Took what seriously? The ragging. She got, she got scared of what, Colin? Then her father rolled up and, well, uh, she started screaming. Why, Colin? Mm. She said she'd call the cops. Why? Why? Why would she call the cops? What happened? But none of us touched her. Honest. Mm. Really? Scott just bolted. Okay, so someone did something to this girl.
1: I mean, at the very least, they sort of verbally tormented her that someone was going to do something to her. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think that, to me, that was the undercurrent and thinking about being a teenage girl and how horrible boys and girls, in can be. Um, so, yeah, my, my take on it was that Scott and her went out for a bit of romance in the evening air and these lads came out and sort of suggested he might be up to something else or maybe they would or maybe they would watch or maybe whatever. And um, that is enough to make a young girl frightened, I would say, easily. Maybe,
0: but he wasn't accused of saying stuff. He was accused of rape. Mm. So, like, you know, I I tend in, in, you know, almost all cases, like I think the exception would have to really be very, very extreme and, you know, like transparent. I don't think that like fake rape reports are a thing that really happen mm. um, with any kind of statistical frequency. Mm. Um, you know, I... I I believe women and if she says she was raped I think she was this is you know again trigger 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 warning I'm so sorry if she says she was raped I think she was raped this story doesn't add up at all that they just came out and said some stuff to her and then she said she was raped why Mm. you know I I don't believe I don't buy it someone someone did something to her um, and Scott was in some way complicit in it whether uh, whether he stood by and allowed it to happen or whether he was involved is, you know, we it's it's very ambiguous, yeah, but he clearly didn't prevent it from happening, and they're his mates.
1: It's all very weird. yeah
0: um i I do not accept this version of events. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't add up. Um, why is no one asking more questions apart from Nikki later which we'll get to uh, she's the only one asking questions everyone's like Nikki shut up oh. um, it's like what? she's finally doing something useful um, anyway let's take a little break from that we'll come back to this horrible horrible storyline later um, Madge tracks down Douglas at the hotel and engineers are meet cute um, this storyline is awesome even though I don't understand what's happening Madge's performance as um, as wealthy woman fallen on hard times who um just needs a a break to get her finances back in order is oscar worthy um she's enjoying herself so much it's delightful she calls helen and she says who would have thought espionage would be something i'd be so good at yeah. and uh, helen tells her she belongs on the stage and it's all wonderful and i love it and i love this friendship and um i'm warming to madge very quickly um I mean, let's, just, let's just run through this, the rest of this Douglas storyline while we're here because I don't understand. <laughs> something, something diamond. Yeah. Something diamond in a ring. Something value of diamond. Something more fictional diamonds. Something Douglas. Something diamonds valued, something goes off with diamond, comes back with diamond. Do you want me to Um,
1: summarise it for you? Please
0: help me. (laughs) I don't
1: understand. So it's that, so the idea is that Madge actually has got a valuable ring um, which has a diamond. So she takes the diamond out of her valuable ring. So she's pretending to be um there's, there's two things that really caught my eye in this that are not to do with the story, but really made me laugh. Okay, so she's pretending to be a super wealthy woman in the hotel where Douglas is also staying so that um, he'll see her as his next target. And to make that completely clear to us, in case we're really stupid when we're watching, Douglas does what I can only describe as glasses acting, where he sees her go past, <laughs> he slowly takes his glasses off, brings them gradually to his face and chews on the end of one of the arms and he does it with you know, if only he'd had a pipe, if he was sitting in a smoke <laughs> pipe, it would have been perfect. But the, the glasses deserve their own nomination for um, you know, supporting <laughs> cast. Um, so this is what they've concocted is that basically she's got a genuine diamond, and she's going to say, you know, that in her divorce she had she's taken ten diamonds from her husband because she loves a bit of a bit of glitz, and um she'd and she's super rich in that she has all these diamonds, but she can't sell them because Because unfortunately, then her husband will track her down and then it will all get very nasty. So, uh, Douglas is going to offer. So, Douglas, you know, checks out authentic Diamond A, which he takes away. And this is quite a big gamble on Helen and um, Madge's behalf. He's going to take away the real diamond, have it valued. He sees that's real, bring it back to her, and then say, Do you know what? I've got a mate. We don't need to, your husband doesn't need to know. I've got a mate, and we'll be able to flog the lot. And then he gives it a value that he says it, it's less than uh, it's less than what she knows it's worth. But of course, also, she's going to switch it ultimately for um, or is she? We don't know, actually, by the end of this. But um, the aim is to kind of con him out of the 50 grand he's nicked off Helen. That's the plan is to sort of switch the diamonds and use the fake one. Um, yeah. when, so that once he's got the money to pay her. I think that the plan is clear. Whether it works or doesn't work, we don't know yet, but um, that's the plan. Um, also, in the they do a lot of sitting in the dining room of the hotel having these intense conversations. And until the point where he decides he's going to actually take the diamond and Golf and do something, there's the same couple behind them doing a very, <laughs> very amazing like we're having dinner out for the evening darling acting with their menus <laughs> discussing the menus pointing at things you know it's beautiful it's uh um, there are no small parts there are no small neighbors. no small parts
0: and from glasses to background actors there are no small parts but
1: what's very telling to me is because i found them Distracting, in because they were so, to me, it was so funny, and um, and so so much effort being put into like, oh, what will you have? Oh, that's expensive, darling. Maybe we should have some <laughs> French champagne. Um, and that they then get removed. They're still at the same table, like as in Douglas and Match. Douglas and Match. I feel I think they're still at the same table, but those people have been removed from behind them in case I think they draw too much attention. They still focus. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, that's that's the thing. And that when Madge phones Helen about it, if there's anyone around. She has to sort of try and get her to use code words, and it's. I think it's really cute. I like. I'm all for it.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love it. So, so it it goes. The plan goes to plan until the PI shows up. I think he was a PI, and it's yes. like I, no, I don't understand. Okay. He's like Helen is looking for you. Um, I. I'm not going to tell her where you are for 24 hours if you give me $500. Yeah, that's not. He's already told Helen where he is.
1: Yeah, but um, he might. I'm not being funny, Sarah. He might not be a very honest private eye. I think that's what. That's the message. (laughs) John Wong would never. Before John Wong, there was Mr. Rawlings. That's what I wrote. If I was doing like voiceover (laughs) announcing, and before John, I can't do it. But you know what I mean. Mr. Rawlings, yes. if, if he he must be good at his job in that he managed to locate him based off the Thunderbird picture. But um, <laughs> I can see why he might feel like um, if this guy is a con artist, he's always got loads of money and stuff on him. He might be worth an extra bung. So
0: yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's that's that storyline. Let's let's flick that off the off the deck. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Um that Danny thing? uh <laughs> I don't know. not those no, absolutely not. Um Danny can't afford surfies, surfers, no. or whatever it is. So um he books a romantic cabin getaway for him and Marcy slash Marcia, but later he bumps into Marcy Marcia at the coffee shop and she introduces him to Mr Fiji. Um some guy taking her to Fiji. Dwayne leave yes, and then leaves him with her coffee bill. Dwayne uh, was like a that-
1: proper brat pack actor.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah hey you ready baby <laughs> uh who who's this chump uh exit marcia marcia marcy bye, bye gone good riddance don't care um so I, I think danny is now interested in nikki or something also don't care um daphne daphne and Dez have a funny interaction where he um He's so pathetic. His his big grand gesture is standing on her doorstep holding a single red rose. And it, it looked um, like a garage
1: rose to me. Yeah,
0: um, really went all out for that.
1: Oh, I don't know what the equivalent terrible. is for if you come from somewhere else. A service station, a petrol station, gas station. Yeah. You know, when, yeah, a single rose mm-hmm. in a bit of really cheap plastic, that's going to wilt the minute you move from the bright lights of where you're standing when you buy it.
0: Awful. Um, she tells him to go away because that, yeah. Um, fair enough. Um, and that she never wants to see him again. Uh, she slams the door. Clive reopens the door, and Des has beheaded the rose. Um, and uh, hands the stalk to Clive, who nods at him and takes it. Which is, I I guess, funny. I don't know
1: if it was. Yeah. I'd say pathetic.
0: Yeah. Poor Daz. I mean, not even he's so pathetic that I don't even feel sorry for him. No, like me it's, it's gone past sympathy to just a uh, pure um visceral disgust. It's like with um,
1: Nikki, uh, not Nikki. What's the name? Well, I don't feel sorry for Nikki. Um, but Zoe and uh, the restaurant getting in a mess because clearly Daphne spells her out things a billion zillion times. Just look mm-hmm. after the restaurant properly, and then she hires this replacement cook who has an amazing name. Les Lanigan from Agavella, yeah. um, who's known as Lamb Chop. I apologise for the accent because I can't really do accents. Um, yeah,
0: I, I didn't, I didn't summarise the story because it was just like, Zoe is bad at cooking. Zoe hires someone else who's bad at cooking.
1: Uh, it's all for the purpose. You know, sometimes it's like someone has an idea, do you know what would be funny if? And this mm-hmm. is like, do you want to be funny if? While Daphne's away, um, they bring in a cook who looks like he wouldn't really be a cook in a cafe because he's sort of big and balding and muscle. It just looks like a muscle man. You know, maybe he's not very educated. That's how I felt was that thing. Wouldn't that be hilarious if it was someone who wasn't a cook? But it, does, it doesn't. It's irrelevant. Like it's anyone could mm-hmm. be a cook. I just thought it was obviously maybe as a work experience kid um, made a suggestion. But yeah, that was like a non-story. But Les Lanigan is a great name.
0: It is a good name. It is a good name. Wasted on that character, but a good name. Um, Eileen comes over to Des and tries to move herself in. To throw her off the scent, Des says Zoe is moving in and Zoe actually moves in. Yeah. What the hell, Zoe? This is
1: your pin being... uh...
0: What the hell? Yeah. So later, when begging for Daphne's forgiveness for her failures as a mother, Eileen lets slip that Zoe is moving in Mm -hmm. and Daphne is understandably pissed off. Yeah. And Zoe's excuse... Is that the, because Daphne has moved in at Clive's? There's not enough room there now in the
1: many bedrooms.
0: Yeah, where where there was plenty of room, and she should move in. Yeah, on Zoe's. It feels very manipulative.
1: It does. It's horrible.
0: Like she manoeuvred Daphne out of Dez's place, um, which hampered any chances of them reconciling, obviously, mm. and then moved herself in.
1: She doesn't even Um, say, yeah, I'm just there. Like, Because Daphne did say to her, I'll keep an eye on him. But um, she doesn't even say, like, I've done it for you. Like, she doesn't even, oh, it's awful. Don't do that. Horrible. Girls, you know, whoever it is, friends before people who are your exes. I'm trying to think (laughs) of like a communal way of saying it. You know that's not uh, gender specific because you know all the expressions are a bit horrible. But yeah, mates before dates. We could go with that. Yeah. Um, Really. That. Yeah. Zoe, your if you're her best friend, start acting like it.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Um. And uh, then Mike tells Daphne off for having a go at everyone, which is like, shut up, Mike. Like you little know nothing. Um. Daphne then sort of forgives Zoe, kind of, not really. Um and leaves a bunch of care instructions for Dez, like um, yeah. like he's a houseplant. Um I feed him every day, don't forget. Yeah, he likes his meals hot, um, and that is your problem, female housemate. Yeah,
1: true. Uh, I did write, who who are the fish and chips for? He comes home from work and there's fish and chips on the counter when she's busy trying to work out what dress to go on her pretty woman date with Paul. And he just mm-hmm. helps, he, the assumption is, she has made those fish and chips for him. And when I saw him start eating them, I thought that's rude. They probably have fish and chips, but no, I think that is what had happened. She's going out. So she's had to make, you know, like with my kids, I you know, when I, if I was going out, um, gigging or whatever, and I'd have to put the fish fingers on at six o'clock to make sure they were hot for them to eat yeah. before I left the house. That's what she's doing. Before she goes off with Paul, she's had to feed Des. God, it's is awful. Absolutely
0: pathetic, pathetic man. Um, so now we have Jim going to the police about his missing rapist. Yeah. Um, the, the police the guy, rapist. the detective police guy, comes over and asks for a physical description of Scott. And the Robinsons don't know what he looks like. Because yeah. <laughs> he's, cause he's, Cause he's Jason now Jason the... <laughs> like, um, He's a guy about, he's, he's tall, I
1: think. Is he tall? He, I can show I you don't... what he used to look like about three weeks ago. <laughs> There is like, in fairness, apart from the whole fact that we know it's now a completely different actual human being, um, if um if he's been away with school for a few weeks, there's no way you're going to know um what he's wearing on that day when he's gone missing. you wouldn't know what he's wearing, but you, know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what, <laughs> what he looks. You would not know what he if he's dyed like. his hair or had a tattoo or got his nose pierced. You wouldn't necessarily know all those things. You'd be able to show an old picture, um, mm-hmm. but um. Yeah. So, yeah, I wrote there are two reasons why Jim doesn't know what his son's wearing. One is he's been away with school for three weeks, so who knows what came out of a suitcase. And the other is because he's an actual different person.
0: (laughs) 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 Um, Later, a body is found in the river with Scott's wallet on it. And the Robinsons receive this news with complete indifference.
1: I think they were sort of shocked and horrified and dealing with it in a practical way, as is their want. I don't know. In the meantime, it was funny because um, uh, Mike says he's heard that Scott plans uh, to come home. He was on his way home, whatever. And um, she's waiting for him to finish making her a banana fritter before she comes back. to (laughs) He's cooking banana fritters in the cafe and they're chatting and about how everyone's so worried about Scott. And um, he's like, um, oh, I heard this whole plan of, you know, the reason this is what happens and whatever. And she doesn't know what Jim has or hasn't found out at that point, but she just, she just says, (laughs) okay. um, uh, Is that worth a banana fritter or something? So, once she's finished the fritter, and I imagine Mike's done the washing up, like they've put cleaned the kitchens, they've washed the floor, they put the chairs up on the tables, they've done a long walk all the way round Laster's, you know, just to get um you know a good sense of where they are, and then she pops in to pass on her updated information to the auntie and um I don't know I really understand what relationship Jim is to her, but anyway, the people that she loves, she waits till then, but you know, <laughs> don't rush a banana fritter is the message. No. Uh, we gave yeah.
0: I want a banana fritter now do you I don't you really like cooked banana? oh I do nothing better than a cooked banana hey, if you slice it open and put Nutella or a chocolate bar in it and then put it under the grill oh perfection so many reasons anyway I have
1: that but yes um, so um. <laughs> This was my, uh, yeah, so they report that they found um, this this body, as you say, like it had a, a wallet on it. They've identified the wallet being Scott's. And then this was my other favourite ending of the show at all times, possibly, when you literally, um, there's a kid fishing who <laughs> yeah. drags a corpse out. We see people dredging the body and, from the river and covering with a body bag. Jim is brought to identify the body he peeks into the like under the cloth Whether neighbors <laughs> yeah. it was i mean way to break the tension but honestly yeah Neighbours, yeah. maybe
0: there is a dead rapist. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lot. Um, it's, it's, why is he yeah. identifying the body at the scene? Why why that's is the body not in the morgue? Why is it a riverside identification? Is it just a nice day for it? Or <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Just fishing while you're there.
1: <laughs> maybe in like the 80s in Australia, that's how things work. Maybe they didn't have a morgue because he's in some little town. Um, Somewhere, and what happens to the poor little fishing boy? He needs some kind of therapy for his post-traumatic. Anyone who happens
0: to walk past, as they're just hanging out with the body for hours while Jim shows up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh! And did he catch any fish? And if he did, what did he do with them? Like, there's so So much much. we don't know.
0: uh, That's the story I want. Um, So the body wasn't Scott, obviously. Um, Otherwise, history would be very different. Well,
1: because Scott was. Scott was busy having no. highlights, so, as we know. So can we add potential
0: murderer to potential rapist in this case?
1: Oh, because we don't know whose yeah. body that is. We, we that know point. Scott yeah. came into He'll, contact
0: with him. Just,
1: um, he's clutching, um, yeah, clutching his wallet. <sighs> um, yeah. I'm just crossing out what we've talked about already, because um, we've really talked about a lot of things for some... for. Um, an episodes where we thought oh, we're we were nearly have there. Much
0: to say. Um, somewhere in there, Danny becomes fancy because I think he fancies Nikki, and it's the eighties. He starts reading books and declaring that he's too um, too adult to be friends with uh, Scott now, and wearing a fancy suit that he bought yeah. with his Marcy Marcia money. Um, I don't, I... What was what's that
1: um, that Wall Street oh, movie? Um, what's the person called? Um, well, the Wolf of Wall Street. I f- I f- yeah. I feel like Gordon oh, I, don't know, I don't know
0: what we're talking about now.
1: There's definitely a film and there was a character Gordon who's <laughs> like a slimy business person. I feel like Danny's like that. I enjoy, particularly enjoyed when he's working in the bank and he's being annoying because he's trying to like progress himself. And he has been he was carefully counting some money and then Des interrupted him about it and said, you know, you must put it in the drawer. And he literally takes this money, scrunches it <laughs> up into a ball, and chucks it. Which I think, if I was gone in for the manager role, I probably would have maybe just placed it in a neat pile. And also, there's not a lot of security. There were two moments of terrible insecurity in uh, this cluster of episodes. I always feel there are things that connect them and book in them. So one is um one is Danny just literally flinging notes willy nilly into a drawer, not even like a locked, <laughs> lockable drawer. And the other was when. Um, when Madge and Douglas are having conversation in their, you know, at their table in the restaurant, I can't remember at the moment if the other couple were behind them at this stage or not, but they, and she's talking about how she's got these 10 diamonds in her bag and she get, and shows him the real diamonds, as it were, gives it back to her, puts it in an envelope and then she leaves her handbag <laughs> just on the edge of the table with a strap hanging down. Still just me. like, I mean, practically... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with a sign attached saying uh, <laughs> diamonds <laughs> and clothes
0: don't want a victim blame but in this case
1: it so was definitely worth it and the other sort of bookend moments is that you've got um, the washing being done by um, Max, sorted out by Max and then also horrible Nikki, um turning up at the house where she now apparently lives um, with her washing for Helen just in this during this whole trauma going on with Scott the Rapist and um, and she dumps her bag of washing for Helen to wash. and But she leaves it, like, just in front of the front door, just where everyone's going to trip on it. And that's going to annoy me for the rest <laughs> of my life. Things, things being left where people are going to trip on them. And believe me, as we said earlier, Ramsey Street is an accident-prone environment. You want to put stuff carefully away in their bag. place because otherwise yeah. you're just... Exactly. I would have liked it if Scott returned and <laughs> tripped over the bag and broke his neck at this juncture. Well, genre. Scott
0: is already injured. He's in hospital. We finally meet new Scott. Um, yes. Um, he's in hospital feeling sorry for himself um, and refusing to call his family until a little orphan girl called Kelly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> who To whom Kelly he the spills the whole age-inappropriate story um calls him out on his bullshit and is like you're just lucky you have a family um okay i i
1: just have to ask is kelly a ghost (laughs) i feel like it's one of those there hasn't been a kelly here since 1863 it definitely has it definitely (laughs) has that feel to it and it's just like it's so extreme it's So, uh, where have I it? Scott and the Scary Little Girl from the Orphanage <laughs> slash Interrogator. There was Kelly, but Her died. whole role. <laughs> yeah. Um, we used to do that when we had um, prank, not prank phone calls, what do you call them? Like cold calls for things because uh, we went through a spate in one of the pre- 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 previous places that we lived where we had loads of those sort of cold calls, like double glazing and whatever. And lo- people all have their own ways of getting rid of them. Um, and we took it uh, upon ourselves to say to them, this is a whole family activity, by the way, except for my husband, because he's been a cold caller many years ago, so he always feels sorry for them. But me and the boys, we start the phone and they and we ask them who they were, ask you know, who were they trying to speak to? And if they said, um, is there Rachel Krieger? there then they go, there hasn't been a rachel Creek here since the fire i <laughs> used to do that a lot that was very fun i recommend yeah. it those things are fun those or alternatively making appointments with all of them for the same day and the same time that's also fun um but yes uh very very bizarre the interrogator and um her she's there to guilt trip him into going home, isn't she? Because they obviously have to think of a a way of getting Scott to agree to go home in this story because Mm -hmm. he's so adamant. They've sort of put him in a position where he's going to be adamant. So there has to be little orphan um turn up and say, God, you know, your your family must be really terrible if you don't want to go home. There must be, because like all I'd ever want is a home and a family. <laughs> like if I had a, even a really weird family, I would go home. And then eventually sort of gets him to say, oh, you're as annoying as Lucy. So Lucy does get a little mentioned. You're as annoying as Lucy. Oh, I think Lucy's staying right. with uh, Julie at the moment. Um and then oh here's Lucy. Oh she's my little sister. Anyone else in your family? Yes. Here's their names, their addresses, their phone numbers, um, their national insurance number, here's their bank details. Um he's very quick to spill yeah. his guts.
0: Yeah, because he probably wants to go home. He's probably hungry and tired, um, and wants Helen to cook for him. Um anyway, Scott's story still doesn't add up. Um and um he finally phones home the the robinsons joyfully go to pick up their accused rapist they have a lovely homecoming in which um nikki is the only one who was like why did the girl accuse you of rape why why are you accused of rape scott why would you say that scott and they were like shut up nikki oh nikki you're you're so inappropriate like no she is bang on the money here why why she why why would someone say that if it's not true why why scott explain yourself um there's a Scott and Danny debrief. Um, again, now Scott is blaming his mates and saying that that they would have copped it instead. So someone did do something. Someone did something. Someone assaulted her. Um, what the fuck is this? Is the girl okay? I hate this, I hate all of them, I hate new Scott. Um, I've taken against New Scott. I don't care how Jason Donovan he is. Um, I don't I don't care how married he gets to Kylie. Um, he is just rapey Scott to me from now on. Um and um yeah um that's pretty much it for the month um oh
1: i have a few other little bits of my if you know yeah, go for it it's is one
0: of them about cocoa them pops because i've got that oh <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: no i because i leave a serial okay. acknowledgments to you um there's um there's a few things that just caught my eye, random things. There's uh, Nikki wearing Paul's pyjamas because Helen's too slack in <laughs> doing her washing, which I thought was quite Um There was actually, I felt, very good acting from Max and Helen when they think that the, when the body's been found, Jim's going to have to identify it. There was proper, nice, subtle, yeah. grown-up acting. And I feel like we make fun of a lot of the not good acting, um, including so I mean other than Douglas's glasses and the people in the restaurant, this (laughs) is the best acting, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and you know, so I wanted to kind of mention that. Um and then also there's a conversation between Madge and Jim when he's wait when they, you know, it's not the body, but they're still waiting to find out what's happened. Um, where they're talking about the difficulty of parenting um about you know loving the children and madge says to jim what will you do when you find scott because he's Mm -hmm. obviously been so angry and he says i'll hold him and it's a very affecting Mm -hmm. moment and we do have like a brief bit of public safety announcement which is always there you know need it where helen wants yeah helen wants Nikki not to hitchhike Uh, we have danny having a good idea that's completely ignored um, when Zoe's panicking about what to do in the restaurant. that she He suggests, um, like, honestly, a great idea. Ask kids studying yeah. food at the local tech to come and help her. Brilliant idea. He's told to bugger off. So, uh, yeah. Anyone no talking sense is told to be quiet um, <laughs> in the show. Immediately. Um, I um, really enjoyed Madge putting an empty dish into an oven <laughs> that wasn't on. Um, for um, dinner that night and reminding Danny to make sure he <laughs> takes it out when it's done um,
0: maybe that was Helen's also, plate um, that's
1: where it went <laughs> maybe it was, maybe it was <laughs> Helen's plates. listen back I uh, don't know why we say that um, uh, I've, this was our first mention and this is quite a shocker of non-French champagne Um, because um, Zoe manages to get some cheap champagne out of money. She seems to have taken from the takings of the shop, of the restaurant, or the cafe, whatever it's called. Um, She buys champagne, which um, Paul and Des are going to share, but it's not French. No one says French champagne. It's the first time. Um, But um, my favourite moment was when Douglas says to get the money for Madge. No, I just had to sell a few (laughs) antiques, (laughs) non-specific antiques, because to me... I mean, in uh, later times, I don't know if it was later really or same sort of time, but beautiful Victoria woods and Acorn Antiques, it had such a lovely mm-hmm. feel of that, that moment of where they don't really know what anything is. <laughs> oh, we've got an antique here. Um, and he didn't say, oh, I sold a couple of old masters I've been keeping or, oh, I sold a, an amazing um, carpet that I brought away from wherever. Um, no, he sold a few, mm. just antiques, it's just generic antiques and um those things are all things that made me smile. Um as well as Zoe saying to Clive, you can't cook and I can't swim, maybe we should join forces. And I'm still trying to work, work out what they should do. Like what is the what is the job where one person can't cook and one person can't swim? Or what's the that they should join forces do? I'm not talking about what they shouldn't do. What they shouldn't do is like become uh yeah, I was crew say, Chef on, on the yacht. Titanic. But, <laughs> When uh, they join yeah. forces, what is the job? Yeah. I'm going to put that out to you if you're listening. Suggest suggest a job that really works well for one person who can't cook and one person who can't yeah, swim. please
0: do. That, that's a that's a our caption competition style thing for the month. Um, winner gets a, a yeah. mention on the next episode. Um, Zoe complains uh, to Des that there's no food in the house, and he morosely tells her that there are cocoa pops, um, which you would think would Aww. would be. Uh, something to be happy about Des but um Des cannot be happy because he is
1: a sad sack. No. He's become Eeyore but without yes. the But long live John. the
0: Coco Pops um that is uh, that is our Coco Pop watch for the month. All right. who we kicking <laughs> out
1: Oh my god I mean between Nikki and Zoe um it's very difficult but i think given that nikki as you point out yourself stood up for the victim Mm -hmm. in our um you know horrible scott story i think i'm gonna get rid of zoe i don't know what she really brings to the table other than she's very chaotic and distracting yeah apparently she grows on us
0: like so i'm gonna trust the, the diehard fans that she becomes kind of a legendary character but right now i'm not feeling her
1: yeah, I'm going with. I'm not thinking about what I know about the right future. Now. I'm yeah. thinking about as of watching this cluster. Um, yeah, it's, it's Zoe. For I'm going to get rid of, of Rapy Scott. What about
0: you? Don't want him. Not not into rapey it. Not, not not having this. No, like absolutely not. Why Why would I want this person on my screen or in my life? No, thank you.
1: Yeah. yeah, you raise a good point. I think I just thought of him yeah, as ungettable. Yeah, of Jason Donovan.
0: Again, I don't care how how Jason and Donovan clearly you Clearly,
1: because no one no. minds that he's a rapist. Um, yeah,
0: <laughs> the show's lulled you into the sense of it's fine. Don't worry about it. Nope, something happened. Something went down. He either witnessed it and did nothing, um, or was complicit in it in some way. I I don't want anything to do with him. Get him out of here.
1: It's is so interesting to think about how if the show has been made now they might have handled it very differently Indeed, i think you know this is that this is still the 80s and it's still a very blamey culture and i mean it's there's unfortunately yeah. the world is still quite blamey culture
0: Amazingly, this no subject. one asked but, what she was wearing yeah. um so i mean that's something i guess um shit. God, what a what a low bar
1: i think that's more i think that's more because Um, no one cared about her rather than, you know, enough to care that whether she brought it on herself or not Uh, is irrelevant. Or they're just,
0: it's unthinkable that it even happened, therefore that's not relevant Um, Yes, on that cheerful note we'll see you next time um, uh, see where this delightful storyline takes us I hope it's over, I hope we never have to think about it again But um, until then, you can talk to us on Twitter at Leaving Errands or you can join our private Facebook group. Uh, Search Leaving Errandsbrough, agree to the group rules. Please do not spam an invitation with uh, a thousand random business accounts from Singapore um, and make me have to go through every single one and decline them in case there are actual real people in there who want to join the group. It's very annoying. Uh, My time is precious. Stop it. Mm. Um, I'm pretty sure the person does
1: that. Yes. And do answer the question because there's a big backlog of people who just haven't answered questions and we want you, if you're a real person who loves Neighbours we want to talk to you, talk to so us answer needy. the questions Yep. yeah otherwise we wouldn't do the jobs we do and certainly we wouldn't be making the <laughs> podcast and we will see you next time thank you, bye
0: Leaving Erinsborough was hosted by Sarah Gibbs and Rachel Krieger this episode was edited by John Gibbs our logo is by Haley Charlesworth our theme song was mixed by Graham Rawson Please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review wherever you get podcasts. Join us next time when we'll be covering episodes 191 to
1: 200.